You know what I hate? Boxes. That's something I have run from my entire life, because y'all, none of us are meant to live within a box. I am a woman of many facets, loving things from business to relationships to health and wholeness and faith, and that's what you're going to get here. Uh, I'd like to thank you for joining me on the Rebecca Danny Show. I like to say I am a black and bougie believer giving you some real honest talk on life. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Rebecca Danny Show. Um, what are we talking about today? So, okay, last week when you guys uh, joined me, if you joined me, if not, go back and listen to episode number one where you get a little intro about me, about this podcast, about where we're going to be going together. And um, I left a little teaser at the end um, saying that in this episode, I actually really want to talk a little bit about how me, a girl from LA, well, okay, y'all, I say I'm from LA. That's because I meet a lot of people who are not from California and they don't actually know all the little different city names within Southern California. So I say from LA, but I'm not really from LA, to be honest. I'm from the suburbs. I literally grew up like 40 minutes outside the city. So anyways, I say I'm from LA though. If you hear me say that, just know I'm from Southern California. Um, so how a girl from SoCal ended up in this little town called Redding, California. So, um, again, I live in Northern California. It's like two and a half hours North of Sacramento. It is basically the last city you'll hit before you hit Oregon. Um, how did I get here? I asked myself the same thing. Um, no, I'm joking. (laughs) So, okay. I just want to go back. I want to go back. So I'm going to tell you guys how I ended up here, some things that led to my decision of coming here. Um, This is all going to make sense as I begin to talk about it and why this story is being mentioned. Um, But yeah, so I want to go back. Who was Becca before uh, Reading? Well, I want to take y'all back to college. (laughs) So back in college, Wow. So I went to a school, a small private Christian university called Azusa Pacific University. Um, I love my college. I, you know, everyone has good and bad experiences. I had a really good experience. Um, Not that I didn't have hard moments or didn't have bad moments. Um, But overall, I loved my college experience. Um, I went from high school. I took a two-year break. Um, I think I might have mentioned this last week, but I am a dancer and so took a two year break. I worked full time and I also danced full time. Um, And then I went to community college and then from community college, I transferred over to Azusa Pacific University. So in college, um, specifically focusing on the APU part. um, I everything was about performance, like everything was about you know, there was just this, who I was, it was very tied to what I did. Um, and so I just loved to control, you know, how people saw me. I loved to control, like, you know, what, what is this person thinking of me? I live my life so much based on the opinions of people and where I thought I was placed in someone's mind. And it just, oh my gosh, it was a lot. 
but that was just how I knew how to live. And um, for me, right before actually going to APU, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were Christians. That's how they brought up um, me and my siblings. And so I knew the Lord, but I didn't really know him. It wasn't right. It was right before APU that I actually was like, oh, I actually had an encounter with who Jesus was and actually recognized who he was and was like, okay, there's actually a different level of life that I can live at by actually knowing him and not just knowing all the rules and all the strict guidelines that I thought I had to live by to be a Christian. Um, that all of that like rule book stuff just kind of got thrown out of the window. Um, and I actually got to start to live from a place of being led by love and being led by him, which was very different than what I knew before. So I'm in college and obviously I'm still learning what does it look like to actually do this whole walking with the Lord, living as a Christian, you know, my, my like late teen years, I didn't really have any of the like youth group stuff, any of that. Um, my parents had started a small church and so we were just basically building this church. Um, and so I missed out on that, uh, youth group or going to youth services. So it was kind of like my teen years and then things all went ham. We ain't going to talk about that right now, but you know, a lot of PKs have that party phase and yes, y'all, I had it. So <laughs> we'll get into that in another episode. That's not for today. Um, but yes, I had that whole little party phase. So that happened all right before I hit APU. So I'm still in this place of trying to recognize who am I? Um, like, what do I really want in my life? Like I had a lot of dreams, but also at the same time, there was so much uh, basically sensory overload when you're in college. I mean, there's just so many options. And so there's just so many things that I kept being like, Ooh, I could do this. I could do that. I have probably tried every creative career you can think of, um, at least tested it out. And so I didn't really know fully what I wanted. I knew I had a lot of dreams, but it was kind of a little all over the place. Um, and then also I had a very small sense of who I was. And so I'm in college um, a lot, a lot, a lot of everything I did came from this performance-based mentality. I have to perform for love. I have to perform for affection, for attention. Um, and that was literally the foundation of where I lived from. And, you know, I felt like I was this building this picture-perfect life. Um, I was in college, I was, you know, in undergrad, I like had bought my first car, you know, I started dating this guy and it was, you know, there were so many people that would be like, oh, you're like the APU couple, you know, and it was just, it felt so picture perfect. Like I was like, oh wow, I'm doing so well in my life. I'm just, you know, I'm going after the things, I'm doing the things that people have told me, I, these markers that I have to hit in order to be successful and you know i go through undergrad i'm not going to super unpack that because there's just no need right now and i go through undergrad and then right at the end of undergrad i graduate um, my last year i decided to apply 
to the master's program, the master's of business program, which I had no idea that I would get in. Y'all, let me just be honest. I was like, how did I get into this program? I had no business background. Um, and I, I think it's like, I don't even remember the test that you have to take to get into business school. I think it's called the GMAT. I pretty much failed that. And y'all, I just did not think that I was qualified to be in this program. But in my introductory essay, I remember writing and, you know, saying a little bit about my dreams and what I really desired and, and where I hoped to go. And I remember actually finding out that that letter was the thing that got me in. I was like, what? And he was like, I was so inspired by your story. And I was so inspired by, you know, what you want to see happen in your life. And I just really feel like you're going to be a great asset here. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So one note, guys, if you think you're unqualified, just go for it. Because <laughs> you never know. I seriously did not ever think that I would get into a master's of business program. So I'm the only one in my program who doesn't have any business background. I felt so intimidated and I was just like trying to get through, you know, and it was a 12 month intensive master's program. So it wasn't two years. I literally graduated undergrad and a month later started grad school and went all the way until the next year, that same month. And so it was just a crazy, crazy time. So at this point, I am graduate undergrad. I am seriously dating this guy. Um, he was somebody that I met my second year in undergrad. And I was like, oh, this is the man that I'm going to marry. And, you know, my trajectory is seeming to go just up and up and up and up. <laughs> I'm the first person in my family to to receive a master's like there was just all this different stuff that I was like wow I am seriously just climbing up the hill of life and the what quote unquote American dream and so I keep going I go through my master's program um, a couple months later before I start or not sorry not before I start a couple months later after I start um my fiance asked or, sorry I said I just said it well my fiance um, he asked me to marry him and I say yes. Cause I obviously was like, I want to marry this guy. Um, I'm not going to impact that relationship right now again for an for another day. <laughs> and he asked me to marry him and I was like, yes, this is the person I want to be with. Um, but just a little sneak peek on that story. I had literally a panic attack the day that he proposed to me. Um, I didn't understand why my internal world was going absolutely crazy, even though I was saying out of my mouth, yeah, I want this, but I was like, why do I not feel aligned with what I'm saying? Something's wrong. And it was the first time that I had to start looking at, okay, what is actually going on here? Um, is this actually what I want? But again, because I was you know, heading for the picture perfect life, um, wanting to be that high status picture in people's minds. Um, I just kept going and I was like, okay, 
we're, no, it's fine. We're going to make it. Um, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. And so we, I just kept moving forward. And so I'm going through grad school. At this point, I'm starting to have these panic attacks on a weekly basis. Um, moments where I would just be, I would come home from class or come home from work. Um, I, and at this point, I've started my own business. I started at the, my last year of undergrad. So I've started my own business. I'm engaged now. So I'm planning other people's weddings. I'm planning my own wedding. I'm also working as an event planner at my university and going to grad school and doing stuff with ministry. And it was just a very intense talk about high achiever. I was a high functioning achiever. I don't know if you would call that a high functioning achiever, but I was doing a lot of things back in college, but it was from a very, very, very unhealthy place. It was from a place of I'm trying to fulfill this thing that I feel like I need rather than, oh, I'm doing this from a place where I'm actually already fulfilled. I actually already know what I want and what I desire and who I am. And I'm doing this from a place where I'm getting to pour out rather than filling a need um, and filling a void. And so I'm having these panic attacks on like a weekly basis. These moments, like I said, I would come home and all of a sudden out of nowhere, just burst into tears, uncontrollable crying and just heart pounding. And I had no idea what was going on. That was probably the first time in my life. Well, I would say, yeah, about the first time in my life that I started going down the journey of emotional health and thinking, okay, what, what's happening in my internal world? Like, what is going on here? Um, this doesn't feel normal. Um, and I started to ask a lot of questions. I actually started to search out a counselor um, just so I could have someone to talk to because I was like, is this normal? This doesn't feel normal. I feel absolutely crazy. Um, I kept trying to think of all the reasons as to why all of this stuff was happening. And I just was like, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe, maybe I need to, and I actually even thought of the decision to stop grad school because I was like, maybe it's just too much. You know, it was a very intensive program. I mean, I was literally pulling all nighters almost three nights a week, three to four nights a week, depending on what my workload was. And that was just normal for me. It was normal for my roommates to come home and I'm sitting on my couch doing homework and I'm staying there until three in the morning, sleeping on the couch for about an hour and a half, and then waking up and starting my whole day again. And that was just normal for that entire 12 month period. I have no idea how I did it. I didn't do it <laughs> well, at least. Um, and yeah, and so I just remember when I think back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't regret saying yes to grad school. I don't regret saying yes to my fiance. I don't regret, you know, going through these different things that I've had to learn through and I've had to, um, grow from, but I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I had a chance to have a conversation with my younger self, I would be like, give yourself a break. Take, just take six months before you say yes to going to grad school. Um, you know, just having some time to not continuously have to achieve more and more and more and more. And I have to keep, keep climbing this ladder, um, of what looked like success in my eyes and in my mind. And, you know, I think I talked a little bit about 
being a Enneagram three, you'll probably hear me lo- uh, talk about the Enneagram a lot. I love the Enneagram. And to be honest, I used to hate it. <laughs> I'm a three wing four and I used to hate it because like I said, I don't like to be put in boxes. So I remember when I first started hearing of it and people would be like, oh, I think you're this or I think you're that. I just was like, do not put me in a box. Do not tell me what you think I am or, you know, how you think I'm supposed to function. I am a human and I'm going to function how I function. If one day I'm a 10, you know, this is when I had no idea what it was. If I was like, one day I'm a 10, one day I'm a one, who cares? Like, let me just be me. Um, but when I actually started to grow a love for the Enneagram was actually after I read about it and I read a couple books and I actually learned to love it because I was like, wow, this is really helpful. (laughs) This is extremely helpful in understanding myself, understanding the people that I'm in relationship with. Um, it helped me, I mean, okay. So I tell people, I mean, if you want to take the test, take the test, but also, this is not sponsored by Enneagram. I don't even know if Enneagram sponsors things, but <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Um, so I took the test, and it was like, you're a one. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. But then when I actually read about it, I tell people, you need to read about it. You need to actually like read and do your own self-search of, oh, wow, this actually resonates with me. But it's like the way that I can articulate it is – once you actually read it, the, the whatever number it is that makes you feel the most vulnerable and raw and almost like you're naked is probably you. <laughs> it's probably where you uh, are most likely going to land. And I remember reading through, you know, what a three was, which is an achiever. And I was like, as I was reading it, I was crying because I was like, oh, my gosh, this feels so... Like it almost felt like somebody was just like reading my mail and like reading my journals and my <laughs> telling telling everybody like, oh, this is who Becca is. And I was I felt so exposed and I was like, oh, my gosh. But it also was so helpful because I was like, oh, this is not. It, it helped me recognize some of the things that I've struggled with in my life, some of the areas where I've not been like super strong in was actually not uncommon. It wasn't like shameful. And so it just helped me actually have so much more compassion for myself and so much more grace for myself and actually grace for other people. It didn't cause for me to want to stay in that place and want to just, you know, make excuses as to why I can be there. But it actually helped me to recognize it and be like, oh, this is not like a negative thing. I don't actually have to be ashamed about this area of my life that isn't strong I get to now recognize it and I get to actually grow in that area so that's my little tidbit on the Enneagram and why you may hear me talk about it a little bit more um but yeah I grew up and I've always had this very achiever mindset and that's because how I grew up as a child it was like oh the thing that I learned was if I achieve I get attention. If I actually do well, I get more attention and more approval um, than than I do on a regular basis. And it was like, oh, and I just, it wasn't any, nobody told me this. No one sat me down and walked me through it. It was just something, It this is how belief systems are developed. It's like you observe something, you see how things function, how other people function in a situation. And we come up with these ideas of, oh, I'm recognizing from this situation, if I do this, this will happen. 
and then we can continue that. And once we continue that, it eventually becomes a habit, a belief system, all that stuff. So I always, for, for such a long time in my life, have learned when I achieve, I get love. When I achieve, I get approval. When I achieve, I am seen and heard and all this different stuff, which isn't true, but that's what I thought. So going back to being in grad school, I'm going through these panic attacks. I am um, seeing a counselor. I'm walking through this stuff, and me and my fiance at the time were going through premarital counseling. And as we're going through premarital counseling, as I'm going through my own personal counseling, you know, there's these things that are starting to come up where I'm starting to get a, a bit more aware of what's happening in my internal world. And as I started to get a little bit more inside what was happening, it was like, oh, I think I'm actually trying to fill some voids here that actually don't need to be filled by things. And I actually had to start recognizing, oh, dang, I think some of this stuff I actually have to let go of. Um, so I remember there was this moment because, again, just even going back, on the outside, and this is, I want to continue to highlight this, on the outside, if I was looking, if I wasn't me and I was looking at myself from the outside, it was like my life was goals, okay? It was like I was engaged, I had just started my own business, I was in grad school, I had, I had just bought my own, my first car, all this different stuff. I had all these things that I was achieving and it was really, really, really good on the outside. But on the inside, I was searching for and really, really, really needing affirmation, affection, love, um, just basic needs. Um, I needed that, which we all do. We're human. Those are basic needs that we all have. But I was like completely ignoring the needs that were happening, not completely, but they weren't a priority. I was more focused on, okay, the outside stuff you know, checking these boxes, these major life hallmark moments. And it was midway through grad school, I had this moment where I finally started to recognize, you know, I am going down a path that I don't think I actually want. Like, where am I going to be in, in five years? Where am I going to be in, you know, yeah, three to five years? And, and the first thing that I had to look at was my relationship with my ex-fiance. And I had to be like, okay, what, like, is this actually what I want? Is this actually what I desire? Um, and as I started to evaluate my relationship, I was like, you know, when I really think about it, I don't, there was a part of me that I felt like I was actually more connected to myself before being with this person. And now at that point, it was like three years later, I was like, I don't really know. I feel like I don't really know who I am. Like, I feel like I've so abandoned certain areas of my life in order to fit into not only his world, but this picture perfect world that we were building together. Um, it just was like, I don't, I don't really actually know if I want this picture that we're building. I don't know if that's actually real. I don't know if there's anything real there. I think we're actually just like building something, not fake, but it was like at the end of the day, I wanted more than that. I wanted something a bit more real than that. And 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that just is where it came to. And I think something that I just want to highlight within that process for me is, man, the Lord is so kind. He just so gives us <laughs> a choice and um, freedom in choosing what we want. Um, I remember sitting down one day and journaling and asking the Lord, you know, God, is this the best that you have for me? Um, is there more that you actually desire for my life than what I'm choosing right now? And I heard so clearly back. It was, it, it was, yeah, it was just so clear. Um, and he was like, Becca, if you really want to know, there actually is more that I have for you. But he was very clear that if you choose this life, though, I want you to know I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still bless you. You're still going to have favor on your life. You're still going to experience so many amazing things. But if you actually want to trust me for more, there is more that I have for you. And he, like, put the ball back in my court. <laughs> and it was such a sobering moment for me because it was it was one of the first times that I, I don't know, it was like this level of trust that I had for the Lord just grew like so many levels in that moment during that. This, this kind of all happened within a few weeks period. Me actually having these realizations, asking these questions, having these conversations with the Lord. And within that short gap, I remember one other thing that he had said to me where he was like, you know, Becca, I want you to know, I want you to actually be aware of every single thing you're saying yes to before you walk down that aisle. And he kind of laid out for me a few different things of, I want you to know, these are some of the things you're going to experience. These are some of the things you're going to have to walk through. Um, it's not saying that you're not going to be able to do it, but these are going to be things you're going to have to walk through. And it was just so kind and so, like, I felt so loved and so taken care of in that moment. Like, I was like, wow, you really do have my best interest at heart. And I remember going through that process. And like I said, there was something, there was something about, there was like this greater connection of trust that I chose to have for the Lord in that moment. And it takes me back to, you know, one of my life verses is Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your ways. And it it actually like solidified that scripture in my heart and in my mind to a deeper level where I was like, oh, this is actually what it looks like to trust in you and to not lean on what my mind can comprehend and what makes sense to me because it didn't make sense to me. Like it literally, it felt like on the outside I had such a picture perfect life, but I knew that that picture would probably be torn down in a few years and we would have to get very real about where we were at. And, and I would have to get very real about the choices that I've made and have to have to work through that process of man. Okay. If I would have chose different, um, I or if I would have been back, then I probably would have chose different. And I remember having that in my, having the ball in my court and actually being like, yeah, I think I want more. I think I want the best. 
and not that the best is like this specific picture it was more like i think i want to wait for you lord i think i actually want to go with if you're telling me there is more that you have for me i actually want to trust you and go with that and choose that option and as as great as the option was in front of me like the person i was with he was such an amazing guy he was just like our relationship was actually pretty awesome <laughs> and so my decision to say no to it was actually one of the hardest decisions i could have made in my life because i was like you know i could very well say yes to this because even the lord was like yeah if you say yes like i'm still gonna bless you i'm still gonna be with you um these are just gonna be the things that you have to walk through and I just had to make a decision in that moment. Is that what I want? Or do I want to wait? And I decided to wait. I decided to, like, I was like, okay, I am actually going to choose to go down this path. And it's crazy because I want to, <laughs> in future, in the future, actually unpack a little bit more about that relationship because I have, I learned so much from that relationship. Um, things that I had to take ownership for, things that, you know, was definitely not my doing. You know, it was just, there was so much that I was like, okay, this is the things that he contributed, this is the things that I contributed, and this is how we got to where we were at. And I just think it would actually be really helpful, and so I will at some point unpack that. Um, but yeah, so I chose to actually go down this path and say, okay, I am going to actually choose trust. I'm going to lean into, I don't really know what this is going to look like from here. I mean, my whole next few years was planned out, you guys. It was, you know, I was in grad school. He was in grad school. He was going to be done in the next two and a half years. And so we had already, we had already started looking for places to live within that area. You know, I had already started applying for, um, a more full-time position at the university and it was like okay I'm gonna work this full-time position and then I'm gonna continue to build my side business um, he's gonna be in grad school we're gonna be living here we're gonna be doing this like it was like at this point we were four months away from our wedding day our lives had become so intertwined at this point it was like I mean I I was choosing in that moment to completely start over um, which was very hard for me because you guys, I am a planner, literally, figuratively, <laughs> I am a planner. I was so, so, so attached to controlling plans and outcomes and, you know, having that three to five year plan. And I'm still that way. I'm still extremely a visionary and I love to look at the future. I love to, you know, plan out things. But at that point in my life, I was attached to plans. I was attached to, no, but this is how it's supposed to go. <laughs> so choosing to start over and actually like throw the plans out was a huge deal for me. I'm sure a lot of you guys are actually in this place. <laughs> I'm sure there's people who are listening who are like, oh, I love plans. I love like, you know, having a three to five year plan. But man, there's that one point where you have to recognize, uh, I can't, I can't like actually control this. I can't actually live by the plan. I actually have to live by following him. 
And so I choose in that moment to continue on, to completely start over. I decide, okay, I'm not going to stop grad school because I was six months away from finishing. I was like, I'm, if I fin, if I don't finish now, I'm like, I'm, I don't know when I would come back and actually just do these last six months. And so I just made the decision in the moment to continue on, to just choose to be fully present in the process. That was one thing I decided. I remember having this conversation with the Lord and saying, God, if I do this, <laughs> I need you to help me walk through this process of grief and, and changing the direction of my life because right now I'm dreading it. And right now I feel absolutely terrified of the idea of starting from scratch. And it was like, it felt so, again, back to this place of, man, he just felt so kind in that moment. Like I had never experienced such kindness and such, uh, I'm trying to think of what the word is. It was like, I just felt so met in that moment. And it was like, I'm going to, this is something that I felt, I felt the Lord tell me was, he said, Becca, if you're willing to actually walk through the pain with me, I will walk you through it. And I promise it actually won't take as long as you think it's going to take. And so I was like, okay, we start going through this process. I continue on in grad school. I told myself, I vowed to myself that I would be fully present with the process and that I would actually not avoid the pain that came up from this. Every single time a memory came up, every single time pain came up, every single time even joy came up, I allowed for it to come up. I didn't push it away. There would be times I would be in class, in grad school, or I would just randomly start weeping and I didn't hide it. I just chose in that moment, I'm, I gotta let the process come out. I gotta let it be messy. I got to just let it happen because if I don't let it happen, if I try, and that was something that I felt so strongly, the Lord tell me, Becca, if you try at any point to push this away, it's going to take longer than you want it to take. If you let it come out and you don't, if you don't run from it, I promise we're going to get through this. And so I just was like, okay, <laughs> that's one thing I can say yes to. I can say yes to not avoiding this process. I can say yes to not avoiding the pain. I can say yes to letting go of all the things I thought were supposed to happen in my life, all the plans that I had written out for myself. And I can choose to trust you. And for a three, y'all, <laughs> that's a big step, okay? I just want to say that. That's a big step. Um, and so I keep going. I go through grad school. I make it. Two months after me and my ex-fiance breakup, um, one of the things that I got to do within my grad program was travel. So we would, there was like an emphasis in international business. And so we got to travel. We went to like four or five different places to study business within that area. Most of them were international trips. And we were going on our next international trip. And this time it was to the East Coast. And then we were going from the East Coast to uh, Ireland and England. And so I decided, okay, after this trip, I have one more little chunk of school and I'm only going to have one online class. So I actually feel like I need to just get away and just have some time. You know, sometimes, you know, me and him were at the same grad school. 
Um, and so I was just like, I need just space to process. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life after grad school. And I just need space to get alone with myself, with the Lord, and actually be like, okay, what is happening now? What is my life? Where are we going? Because all the things I thought were about to happen are no longer happening. And so I decided to buy a one-way ticket. And I bought a one-way ticket. So my ticket was, you know, to the East Coast and then to Europe. And I had no idea when I was going to come back. That was probably, for someone who's a planner, that was the most, that was the craziest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I remember telling my friends and family, like, oh, yeah, I, I am actually just going to buy a one-way ticket. And I don't know when I'm going to come back. Um, some people thought I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> my parents were concerned. And I just was like, you know, I just feel a lot of life on just choosing to get outside my comfort zone and to not be able to avoid this process. I, I mean, it's just so when you're going through a breakup, you can actually distract yourself from the process of grieving it and, you know, recognizing what's actually happening here and, and checking in with your heart. And I was like, you know, me being home, having my car, having my friends, you know, being able to go do things, it was just so distracting. And even though I was still wanting to be, or even though I was still being very present with the pain and what was happening, it still was so much happening in my life that I was like, I just need to get away. I need to have more time and space to let my heart actually speak what's going on and feel what's going on so that I can actually move forward. Like I was almost like, I need to do this because I want to move forward. I don't want to stay in this place. I don't want to stay having this pain occupy my heart because I was going through a lot of pain. So I decided to buy a one-way ticket. Um, we end up leaving like a, a month later. We go to the East Coast. We go to Ireland and England and the only thing that I had planned was the first month after I got to Europe I had planned okay I know who I'm going to stay with the first two weeks I decided I was going to stay you know two additional weeks in England explore London all that stuff but I didn't really have any plans after that like this was the most spontaneous thing I've ever done in my entire life but it was the best thing that I could have done for that season of my life. And so I'm in Europe and my main goal was I want to get reconnected to the Lord and I want to get reconnected to my heart. I just want to get very, very clear on what is next. What are we doing? What, what, what are we building here? And so that's what I did. And I just decided that in the process, I'm going to explore because that was just something I enjoyed doing. It was something that I had fun doing. And I was like, if I'm going to process through all this stuff, I want to be having some sense of enjoyment in the midst of it. And so I ended up staying for four months and traveling all through Europe, going to 11 different countries. I can't even count how many cities I ended up going to but it was absolutely amazing one thing I want to highlight from that trip over that four-month period so my whole my whole goal was I want to get reconnected to the Lord reconnected to my heart and figure out what is the next step when I get home or if I get home because that honestly I had no idea what was next like I actually was even looking up 
okay, what are some jobs that I can maybe get in Europe? I was like, maybe I'll just move here. Maybe I'll move to New York. Maybe I'll move. I had no idea what was next. Pretty much at that point, I had a blank slate and anything could happen. So I'm exploring ideas. I'm brainstorming. I'm processing. Um, I'm also just like having fun seeing these different cities, seeing these things that I've always desired to see. Um, And... Finally, there was this moment, I was in Switzerland, and I was having a conversation with a friend. I met so many amazing people, but I also like knew a few people that lived in Europe that I ended up staying with um, while I was there. And so I was in Switzerland, and I remember having this moment, and this is, this is the moment that I recognized what was next for me. I was asking the Lord, okay, God, what is next? What is next? What is next? What is next? And I remember being at lunch with a friend and they brought another friend and that other person, I don't remember their name or whatever. I just remember something that they said. I remember even sitting at the table and having this moment of realization and being like, oh gosh, you're right. They said to me, they were like, yeah, you know, you might be asking the wrong question. And I was like, what? And they were like, I think you might be asking the wrong question. Like you keep asking God, like, what's next? What, what should you do next? And they said, if you actually knew who you were, or if you remembered who you were, you would know what was next. You wouldn't have to question that. And I was like, what? And it didn't hit me until like probably an hour later. I just kept, it it kept going in my mind. I was like, what, what is, what do they mean? What do they mean? And then finally I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) you're so right. I am so disconnected from my heart and from what I ultimately, like who I know that I am, who I know I've been created to be, that I'm just considering everything right now. But if I was actually in a place where I was truly reconnected to my heart, truly reconnected to purpose and Um, the things that are inside of me, the things that actually I know, like I get to contribute. If I was actually to connect, reconnect with that, there wouldn't be a question about what's, what's next. Like it would, it, it almost is like this inner intuition (laughs) where it's like, oh, I feel like I need, I feel compelled to move in this direction. And it wouldn't have to be all of these questions like, oh, I just, I feel compelled to move in this direction. I'm saying that again, because there's something on that. Just feeling compelled to move towards a certain thing, a a certain area. And in that moment, I automatically thought, oh gosh, I think I need to go back to California. And I actually think I need to go near my parents. And I feel like I wanna be near my parents and I wanna be near my sister. And where they were living at the time was Redding, California. (laughs) And they had been living up here for like three, I don't know, at that point it had been maybe three or four years. And I was like, I just really feel like I need to be near family because, you know, I just felt like there's something about recognizing who I am, getting a little bit more connected with my heart that was attached to being near family. Um, specifically parents and specifically my sister because she's my closest friend. And so I come, you know, the four months pass. I finally buy a ticket home 
I go back to Southern California. I pack up all my stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm moving to Northern California. What I didn't expect was to, I made the decision after the fact, there is a ministry school up here that I was like, I think I'm going to go to that ministry school. Um, I knew this. The only reason I knew about this ministry school was because I had multiple friends who had gone to it. Um, I ended up going to BSSM, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And I knew about it because I had so many friends that had gone to the school. And also my parents had gone. My sister had gone. I never thought that I would come up here and do that school. You know, I almost, in a sense, felt like, what? I'm literally going from grad school to going to BSSM. What? And in my status still mind, I was like, I feel embarrassed about that. Like, what? I could be getting like a full-time job right now with benefits, with, you know, all of this different stuff. But yeah, I'm choosing to go down this path. And when I say moving up to Reading started my three-year journey of letting go of everything I thought was supposed to have in my life, letting go of status, letting go of pride, letting go of things, letting go of plans, just everything, choosing to start over, choosing to um, humble myself and let the Lord lead. That was pretty much what I was saying yes to. I didn't fully know that, but that's what I said yes to. And I moved up to Reading and finishing out this story, basically moved up to Reading. And what I like to call, I went through like a two year period of just like loss. It felt like what kept happening was, and I thought that, you know, okay, the main thing that I'm losing in my life is I lost my ex fiance. I lost, you know, getting to live in Southern California create this life that I thought I wanted, but it continued, you guys. Um, <laughs> when I moved to Reading, it continued. Um, I moved up here. I remember trying to look for jobs and trying to find jobs because I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. And I, and I started making up all these plans again. Okay, so I'm going to move up to Reading. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because that was just so normal to me to make plans, to lead my own life, and to do all this stuff on my own. And at that point, up into that point in my life, I was my own provider. I was the one leading the show. And what I don't think at all any of what I went through, the Lord was like, I'm going to put this on you. But what he was teaching me in all of it was, hey, if you actually let me lead here, I, I actually will lead you into the best life you can ever imagine but it's only if you're going to let me lead. It's only if you're actually willing to trust me. It's only if you're actually willing to, you know, let me open the doors. And I didn't know that. And so I kept fighting it. And so I started making my own plans, kept trying to find jobs, didn't find any jobs. And you guys, I started basically losing all of my money and ended up losing everything. I mean, things just started to leave my life. It felt like I was like repelling things. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Everything is leaving my life. I lost my fiance. I'm losing my money. I'm losing my credit cards. I'm losing my, you know, all of this stuff that felt like it. I had checked these boxes of being a successful adult. I was like, I'm losing my credit score. 
<laughs> um, and it even got to the point to where you guys, I lost my car. Like literally my car got taken from me because I couldn't make payments. And I was like, what is happening to my life? Like I thought I had did something wrong. I started being like, okay, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? How do I change this? How do I, and again, it went back to how do I perform so that I can get the things that I need? What do I need to do? What I, and I would keep asking the Lord, what do I need to do? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? But that wasn't the question. That wasn't like what was actually going on. And it kept happening for two years. I'm not joking. <laughs> Finally, like it was the most humbling process. I had to lose pride in me building the life that I thought was successful, that I thought was the ideal life. I had built it. And it was so humbling to have all of that torn down. All of it. The most humbling thing. And I actually had to choose to take a back seat and actually be like, okay, what does it actually look like to follow him? What does it actually look like to be led by him? What does it actually look like for him to teach me how the world works, how people work, how to be in relationship with him, how to be in relationship with others, how to build something? What does that look like? And after two years, it was like finally felt like I was coming out of the desert. I was like, what is this? I'm like an Israelite. <laughs> and finally, I step into this season where I'm like, oh my God, I finally feel like I'm starting to build something. I finally feel like I'm starting to gain traction. But it was only because I actually chose to surrender to the process of me not being my own provider and me not leading this thing. You know, a lot of people ask me, how, do you, how did you build where you're at now? Like, wow, how are you getting to do all the things that you get to do? How are you, you know, how are you making so much money? Like, you guys, all of that is happening because I chose to not lead this thing because I actually chose to trust and to humble myself and to actually just go along for the journey, to let go of things needing to happen, to letting go of control, to actually not needing to understand how this is all going to come together. Oh man, it's been such a crazy story and such a crazy ride. <laughs> I'm so thankful for where I'm at right now, but I'm like, I think sometimes I want people to understand, like, you know, when people see my life now and they're like, wow, like, and I, I feel so humbled when people are like, wow, I'm so inspired by you or, you know, like, I, I love this or that or whatever. And I'm just like, man, thanks. Like, I don't feel like I can take that much credit because really, I mean, at the end of the day, like I simply just said yes to the process that that's really where my credit comes from. Yes, I am participating. Yes, I am making conscious choices and decisions and, you know, choosing things, but I'm not the one leading this. I'm not the one making it happen. And that is one thing that I feel like in the beginning of this, in the beginning of this journey of you guys going along this journey of my life, of other people's stories, of just what it looks like to go after the life that you want, I want to be clear that like I didn't build this. 
I didn't make this happen. This is has come from a life of choosing to surrender, of letting go of control, um, and choosing to not need it to look a certain way. Choosing to actually like let the most important opinion of me be the Lord's and not other people's. So <laughs> if I didn't make it clear, I love Jesus, y'all. And you know, what you're going to get here is what it looks like to go after a life that you desire, a life that is like, wow, I actually get to thrive in all areas of my life. Like that's available for me. It is, it is. This is not just my life. This is not just what I get to live out or what some people get to live out. It's not just for some chosen specific people. Like guys, this is made available for all of us, but like I wanted to talk about this specific thing and even this story of me going through this process of having to let go of control, having to choose to surrender to the process and surrender to where I'm not the one leading this because everything that I teach, everything that I've learned, every story that I've been through, it's all coming from a place of I'm not the one making this happen. I'm not the one who is leading this. I'm saying yes to it. Again, I'm making conscious choices and decisions, but I'm not the one actually, like, I'm not taking credit for all of this. So, yeah. You know, the thing that I want to leave you guys with is actually just trust. Trust him. Like, there's so much available to all of us. There is so much goodness that he just loves to pour into our lives and wants to pour into our lives, but it all has to come from a place of choosing to allow him to do that and actually choosing to take a back seat and be like, okay, you actually get to lead this. You actually get to be the one who directs me. You actually get to do things that don't make sense to my mind, that my mind does not comprehend. If you're in that place right now, just choose to trust him. <laughs> Even if it doesn't make sense, whatever it is, whatever situation it is, choose to trust him. So all of that to say, I want you guys to catch me next week because I'm going to have a guest and we're going to unpack. <laughs> Should I tell you guys? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell you guys. Okay, so we're going to be talking a bit about relationships, specifically breakups, triggers, pain, all that stuff, um, timelines, because one thing I love talking about is relationships and dating and all of that stuff. So catch me back here next week. Um, we're going to have a special guest. Um, it's actually going to be part one of a part two series, but catch me back here and I will talk to y'all soon. <laughs> Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on today's show. I'd love to further connect with you. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Rebecca Danny, on Twitter at the Rebecca Danny, and check out my website. Uh, it's www.therdco.com. Thank you again. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, show your girl some love, and I will catch you real soon.